Well, as uh, we begin the semester, I, um, we always kind of leave the first week um, open before we kick off a series because, um, one, I want to touch base with kind of our core group and share with you um, some things that we're about here. And, um, and so I kind of always leave that spot open, and I think about it all summer long, and then as the summer gets closer to the end, I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? And I have had so many things that I've wanted to share with you that um, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this all in one night. And uh, so I was kind of thinking about it, thinking about it, and uh, two weeks ago, Andy was preaching here, and uh, he said something in the middle of the sermon that triggered a thought that it reminded me of a sermon that he did five years ago. Um, the sermon was called Wishful Thinking, and so, um, and it was some things that he wanted to share with the congregation, and so I'm ripping off the idea from Andy, and I want to give the credit because we podcast this, and I don't want anybody to think that I was like coming up with this on my own or whatever, and so um, just that's what's going on with that, and, uh, but anyway, basic idea about tonight is if, if we were to get to know each other, um, in a way that we could kind of get through the who you are and where you go to school and what your major is and, you know, where you're from and all that kind of stuff and what are your passions about and all that. If we were to ha- kind of have a really, you know, solid, close relationship and I could sit down and just share some things with you, this is what I would want to share. This is what I would wish for you. And tonight I want to begin in this verse. It's John 10.10. 10, and I want to just uh, share this thought with you as we begin, and uh, maybe you've heard this verse before, and I just, I'm going to keep referring to this throughout the night, but um, Jesus made this statement in John 10, 10, and we're going to put it up on the screen for you, but it says this, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And there's some things I want to share with you tonight that I believe if you're going to live life to the fullest, if you're going to get the most out of your college experience and live to the fullest, these are some things that I would wish for you. And the first one is this. I wish that you would experience the thrill and the joy of radically obeying Christ in your life. And what I mean by that is that you, that sometime throughout this year or throughout your college experience, that God would nudge you in a way to do something that you know you should do, that you're feeling led to do, but if you did it, people would think you were crazy People will go, they've lost their minds. Did you hear about Sarah? She is doing this. Can you believe what Sarah's gonna do? Is that not crazy? That's crazy. Andy calls it this. Andy says, it's an audacious, culture-defying, seemingly irresponsible act of obedience. And the reason that I would wish this for you the reason that I want you to experience this in your life is that if, if you take that step of faith of obeying God and maybe something that he might be leading you to do, if you take that step, you're going to grow in a way that you've never grown before in your relationship with him. For me, this is what it looked like in college. I thought I was going to be a football coach 
It was a dream of mine. I wanted to be an offensive coordinator. I just was like, man, I love football. I love college football. It's amazing. And I wanted to um, kind of get the whole, you know, inside scoop to college football. And somehow um, my sophomore year at Baylor University, I found myself um, being a part of the, the college football coaching staff at Baylor University. It was crazy. And um, I had been a place kicker. Uh, I had not been a place kicker. I had been on the team dreaming that I was one day going to kick um, field goals for, for Baylor. And that was never going to happen unless I started taking steroids or something, because you can see why that would never happen here. And so, but um, I got to know the coaching staff and they were like, hey, you can come be a part of this whole thing. And so um, they said, if you want to be a student coach, you can, you know, have an all access pass to what we do around here. If you'll you know, serve us and help us out, and you can sit on any meeting you want to be in on. And it was unbelievable. I mean, I was so fired up when this happened. I called my dad, and he was so fired up when this happened. I mean, when he came out to, to Baylor to visit me and stuff, he would get to meet with the coaching staff, and he was a football coach growing up, and it was amazing. And I was so happy, and I was loving it. And I did it for a year, uh, my sophomore year, and got into my junior year, and all of a sudden, um, just one day over a weekend, um, I went on this retreat, and it was like, hey, I think it's time for the football dream to end. It was just a conversation with God that I was having. I was like, really? Like, seriously? Like, I mean, this was the dream, you know? And then it, it was just very clear to me. It was like, hey, I don't think football is the path that you're going to go down. And so I walked in to the coach's office on a Sunday morning, and I wrote them out a two-page letter why I felt like it was time for me to move on. And I quit this whole thing. But the crazy thing was I had to call my dad and tell him, who probably had a greater dream than I did, that I would be a football coach one day. And I had to tell my dad, hey, I don't think I'm supposed to do this anymore. I don't think this is what God has for me. And it was awkward for a little bit, but that's what it was for me. It was just like, hey, I think God has a different plan for my life. And I stepped away and I really didn't know what I was stepping to, to be honest with you. But it was life-changing for me. For another example of that kind of radical obedience is um, we had a student who was in this ministry from Georgia Tech. She graduated three years ago. And her dream, um, she graduated. This is crazy. And you heard Hal talk earlier about the NASA person. But her, her deal was she graduated from Georgia Tech um, with a degree in aerospace engineering. That was her degree. And her dream was that when she graduated Georgia Tech, that she would go to law school because she wanted to be a lawyer for NASA. Now, I don't know what little girl kind of grows up and says, I want to be a lawyer for NASA. You know, like, I want to go to the moon, maybe. I want to be a lawyer for NASA. What in the world is that? That's crazy. But that was her dream. But while she was at Georgia Tech, she got involved in this ministry called Bright Futures. It's downtown. It works with inner city kids. And she started investing one day a week and then a Saturday morning with them, you know, every week. And then she started taking those kids uh, to summer camp over the summer. And she just started pouring her life into these inner city kids. And all of a sudden, God started nudging her in a different direction. In her senior year, she wasn't sure what was going on. She was like, law school? Yeah, law school. I'm still pursuing that. But I think um, God might want me to do something different, like go do Teach for America, I don't know if you know what Teach for America is, but they help like the worst school districts in the country and they put the best, most talented, brightest um, graduates in there from college to teach math and science. And so she applied and it's really hard to get in. She got accepted because she is, you know, excels in all things. She got accepted and then she had a decision to make. 
law school, pursue the dream, or go to Teach for America. And the crazy thing about Teach for America, you get no say in where you're going to go. They just assign you to a school and you go. So she got assigned to Newark, New Jersey, and she's teaching middle school students there uh, math. That's what she's doing. So she graduated, goes up to Newark. I saw her over the Christmas break, and I was like, how's it going? And I mean, almost tears came to her eyes, and she's like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. My kids hate me. Kids hate me. They have no idea what dream she gave up. She goes, my kids hate me. But she goes, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I'm learning so much. I'm having to depend on God in ways I've never depended on him. I saw her a year later, year two. I said, so how's it going? She's like, amazing. I got a great class this year. They actually want to learn. It's, it's incredible. And she's pouring her life. And so you're, she was only have, making a two-year commitment. She's in year three now. Making a difference in middle schoolers right now is because God nudged her in a different direction. And, and, you know, she said, you know, that's what the world looks at, maybe law school and, you know, being a lawyer for NASA, that's incredible. But God had a different plan for her. Radical obedience. Uh, next month, we're going to spend a whole night here at the living room talking about our um, spring break and summer mission trip opportunities. We do it every year. It's uh, a Global X night that we kind of focus on what we're doing here. Global X is our short-term, uh, it's the missions department in our church. We call it Global X. And uh, we'll, we'll spend a whole night talking about, I think, I shouldn't say this publicly, but I'm going to anyway, I think we're going to Spain this year or Brazil as well and Haiti, possibly. We're still working on Haiti. And, um, and then in the summer, we go to Kenya and we do a trip to East Asia. So those are going to be the five opportunities that we're working on right now. And some of you are going to come and you're going to look at these things and you're like, never, no way. Not going to happen for me. I, I mean, my parents would think I was crazy if I told them, hey, we're going to raise $3,000 to go to Kenya. They're going to go, you're crazy. How are you going to raise $3,000? You think we're going to pay for that? No way. But he's gonna, you're going to walk away from that night, and God's going to start tugging on you and start nudging you. And you're like, man, I cannot get that country, that trip off my mind. And you're going to be at a crossroads. Do you take the radical step of obedience to follow God in that moment? You trust him that he can provide for your every need. Are you going to trust him that he can deal with the pushback from your parents and soften their hearts as you seek their permission to go? For others of you in this room, radical obedience right now, where you are in life, is that you need to respond to God in a way that you would deal with the stuff that you've been carrying, with the sin that you've been dealing with, with an addiction that you might have in your life that no one knows about, that you've been stuffing it down. And it's like the radical step of obedience would be for you to take that that's in the dark and move it into the light. And that would be a starting point for radical obedience. That's what it's gonna take for you to get to know Christ and live life to the fullest. I wish for you that you would know the thrill and the joy of experiencing radical obedience to Christ. The second thing I wish for you is that I wish that every single one of us, me included in this, I wish that all of us in this room would, 
would know the joy of leading someone across the line of faith, that you would know the joy of leading somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That when, when somebody is asked in years from now, hey, how did you know? How did you come to know Jesus Christ? How did you become a Christian? That they would think of you in that moment and they would go, well, I met Sarah my freshman year. And she was walking alongside of me. She was, you know, my hallmate. And there was something different about it. I couldn't figure it out, but there was, she was always smiling. She was always joyful. There was, it was crazy. But as I got to know her, I was really attracted to, to her. And I was like, this is amazing. This woman is incredible. And I realized I wasn't just attracted to her, but I was attracted to Christ in her. And I wish that every single one of us would know the joy of leading somebody into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, um, you might be here tonight, and you got invited to be here tonight, and you're like, man, you told me the food, and I figured at some point somebody was going to talk about God. And I want to say a special word of welcome to you, because you're probably going, yep, I knew it, bait and switch, you know? Got him with the food, and now he's talking about Jesus. And, and actually, I'm the target. He just told me I'm the target. He, I think he said something about a mission earlier. Yeah, we have a mission here. Our mission is to partner with you to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we, I'm not ashamed of that, and I, we don't hide that here. And the reason that I'm not ashamed of that and we don't hide that is that we believe it's the most important relationship that anyone can ever have. We believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only thing that can satisfy you. And so this is, if, if you're that person that got invited and you didn't know what you were coming to, I, I do want to say welcome. I'm really glad you're here. And I just want to invite you to a conversation. I, I want to invite you to a conversation about God that you can have on your own terms. We're not in any hurry. We're not going to try to force it, you know, on you. We want you to choose. It's your choice. But we want to have that conversation with you because we believe it's the most important conversation that you can have. I, I just want you to think about it for a moment. What if this group in here, what if we all this year led somebody to Christ? We were able to share the gospel with them. That would just be amazing. Can you imagine what that happened? Maybe next spring, we would, get in the, you know, we would get in here and maybe we'd have like a night where we'd celebrate that and you know, baptize people who had come to faith. How cool would that be? That, and what's so amazing is that God would choose to use us to communicate his love, his grace, his mercy to the people that we live around. That's what we're about. I wish for us that we would experience leading someone to Christ. My third wish for you um, is that I wish that we would all, I can say this because I'm single, that we would all date more. I wish that we would all date more. And uh, this is kind of crazy because I vowed um, as a college pastor that I would never, ever, ever, ever talk about the topic of dating um, until I got married because uh, it's like you can't talk about dating until you prove that you know what you're talking about, you know? It's like, you're still single, you know? You have no credibility whatsoever to be talking about dating right now. So, um, and we did a dating series last fall. Um, it was incredible, and I didn't speak at it, and I don't, 
I, I think we'll do another one in the spring, and I won't speak at that because I think married people who know about dating, who've actually done it right and had been a successful, you know, accomplished the mission of dating, you know, it's like they're the ones who are the experts and should speak about it. But this is what I want, wish for you. That you would date, when you pursue a dating relationship, that you would do it in a God-honoring way. That you would date in a God-honoring way. If there's a regret that I have from college, it's, it's that I didn't date enough, and I'm being serious, and, and just, um, it's kind of weird, but I, I was so paralyzed by, you know, is this God's will for my life? And it's like, it's a date, for crying out loud. Like, I was in a conversation with one of my good friends, um, you know, uh, who's single as well, and so we had this mutual friend, and he was going to um, set uh, him up with this girl that they knew, and, um, and so... Uh, they call the girl, and the girl is, like, freaking out on the phone, and she's, like, she's going back and forth, like, I'm not sure, and, you know, I don't know the guy, and it's a setup and all this stuff, and she finally just said over the phone um, to the friend that was kind of organizing the whole thing, and, and um, well, I guess I don't have to marry him, and I was like, really? I mean, is that what you're thinking? I mean, it's a date, for crying out loud, you know? It's like, we get so paralyzed. So I want you to date. I want you to ask people out. I mean, this is the greatest season in your life um, that you can ask somebody out. I mean, seriously. But when you do it, I want you to do it in a God-honoring way. And when you date and when you get into that relationship, and maybe it becomes a relationship, and there become lines of intimacy, I want you to pursue those lines of intimacy in a God-honoring way. I um, had a crazy experience um, about a, a month ago, and um, it, was cr- it was weird. Um, I was uh, channel surfing, and um, I'll just confess, uh, we'll confess several things here, but one, um, years ago, I used to watch MTV, and so somehow MTV got out of the rotation for me, and I, it wasn't a maturity thing. It just got out of the rotation, okay? I'm just telling you. It was out of the rotation, but um, all these people were um, Twittering and stuff and talking about Jersey Shore, and, um, and I just happened to be channel surfing. Uh, and just, just all honesty here, who watches Jersey Shore and would admit it, okay? So I just want to make sure that college students are, might be, okay? So I was channel surfing, okay? And, um, and so here's the deal about Jersey Shore. I was like, what is the fascination with Jersey Shore? And then I saw the show, and I was like, this is terrible TV. It's the worst thing ever. I mean, it is terrible. And the crazy thing, I just heard about the cast from Jersey Shore, that they're getting $30,000 an episode to party and to get in fights and to sleep around. I'm like, seriously, you need to pay them $30,000 to do that? It's crazy. And so I got sucked in. I'll be honest with you. Confession here. I got sucked in. I'm like, Sam, don't date the guy anymore. Break up with the guy. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, do you not see what he's doing to you right now? He's messing around with every other girl out there. It's crazy. And this is what I want you to realize about this, is that our culture has influences so much on dating and sex. It has influenced us so much. And I'm just going to tell you, and I laugh about the show, and I know Many of you will continue to watch it, and I'm not trying to make a conviction about the show, but it puts terrible thoughts in your mind and things that just really aren't helpful. And unfortunately for you and for me, 
We've grown up in a culture that has totally influenced the way we view sex and the way we view dating relationships. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to date in a God-honoring way, you've got to make a commitment that you're going to believe that the God who created you, that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows way more about sex than MTV. And he knows way more about sex than Usher. I'm serious. But we let that influence us all the time. And think about it. I mean, do you really trust him? I mean, the guy created it. God created sex. You think he knows more about it than our culture does? And I wish for all of us that we would date in a God-honoring way. If you want to live life to the fullest and not have any regrets, you're going to pursue dating relationships in a God-honoring way. All right, the last one here. Um, and this is self-serving, and I so it could seem self-serving. It's really not self-serving. And I just want you to trust me on this, especially if you're here for the very first time. But this is like a soapbox issue for me, and I've got to hustle because we're running out of time. But um, I want you, I wish for you. And this is something that I could not get in me until like 21, 22. So if you're here like a freshman and you rode the shuttle tonight, I'm so glad you're here. And I hope you can understand me on this. But I want you to embrace the local church. I want you to embrace the local church. And what I mean by that is that you would commit and that you would serve and get involved and say, this is where I go to church and I want to be involved. And, and I've got to hustle this up really, really fast. But what I mean and why this is so important is that our, your generation, I'm going to separate myself, your generation is growing up and you're running from the local church. And you're abandoning the local church and you're saying, you know what, the church is not for me. And the only way it's going to change is if a group of people like yourselves say, you know what, I want to get involved and I want to make a difference. And we need you in the local church. Now, this could be self-serving and in fact, I'm going to ask for volunteers at the end. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. I am... I can celebrate and will be excited that if you go embrace a local church somewhere else in Atlanta, it's, this is not about Buckhead Church or North Point Ministries or anything like that. There are some great churches in the city, and we've had students come into our ministry and leave and go other places, and I can celebrate that. But what I want for you, and the reason I'm talking to you about this tonight, is that for you get, to get the most, to live life to the fullest, you need to sink your life your roots down into one place. And for me, my college experience was church hopping. I mean, I did it for two years. I was great at it. And then for the last two years of my college experience, I just kind of sat on the back row and never got involved. And I had one semester left and was like, oh God, literally, I was like, oh God, you're about the church. I mean, that's your plan. That's your mission. And we need a generation of students who say, you know what? I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to make a difference. Now, what's cool is I know some of you, and you've already done that. And see, you think I'm trying to get you to understand that about so that you can make it about the church, but really it's about you and about your relationship with God. 
that you're, for those of you who've experienced this, you've found that when you've got involved and you start serving, that you start growing in ways that you've never grown before. Many of you serve in our Wombaland ministry, which is our children here, or Upstreet, and uh, some of you serve in our high school ministry, and it's a handful, but actually, this is crazy, but if, if that's you, and you volunteer in some other area, can you just stand real quick? I know some of you are in the room. Just go ahead and stand up. So if you volunteer in some other area, yeah, I want, look at these people. All of them, I, I want to tell you, just stay standing real quick. Every, stay standing. Every single one of these students right here that volunteer, I, I would be willing to bet that they probably got involved in the church because they either knew a staff member or they knew a volunteer already that kind of recruited them and said, hey, you, you probably should do this. Not, maybe not all of them, but I think they probably went into it going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm serving. I'm, I'm trying to do something. But I, would, I bet if you ask them, and I just want you to see who they are, I bet you if you ask them, so how's your relationship with God grown since you started volunteering? I guarantee you they can tell you stories. And some of these guys that help with the high school ministry, I know they've been challenged big time. And um, it's just amazing. And I'm just telling you, all can be seated. I'm telling you, if you want to live life to the fullest, please get involved with the local church. It doesn't have to be Buckhead Church, North Point, Browns Bridge. It can be any of these other great churches in the city. And if you're a freshman, you got some time, okay? I mean, for first semester, you need to church hop a bit because you need to see where you're going to go. But at the end of the first semester, you need to make a decision and just plant yourself for a season at least. I promise you if you do it, I promise you, you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ in ways that you've never grown before. And that's why I wish that for you. And so here's the thing. Um, when Jesus was saying this verse, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What's going on there is he's comparing himself between the enemy as a thief and himself as the good shepherd. That's what this, this teaching is about, is Jesus is the good shepherd. And what's so amazing about the comparison between a thief, a thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and all the thief cares about is himself. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he wants what's best for you. And he wants you to live life to the fullest. And so you have the opportunity to choose. Do you want to live life for yourself? And that's why we're talking about this tonight. Because so many people, the message that you're going to get from our culture and the world is that this is college and enjoy it, eat it up, get the most out of it. And they're not talking about living life to the fullest in those moments. They're talking about live for yourself. And you have an incredible opportunity, incredible opportunity to make a decision. Do you want to live for yourself or do you want to live for something that's so much greater than you? Do you want to live for Christ. Because if you make that choice, and that's a daily choice, I promise you, you'll live life to the fullest.